This is Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. Bell Shakespeare would like to acknowledge that this episode was recorded and produced on the lands of the Gadigal and Wongal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land, and we pay our respects to their elders, past and present. I know you all, and will a while uphold the unyoked humour of your idleness. Yet herein will I imitate the sun, who doth permit the base contagious clouds to smother up his beauty from the world, that when he please again to be himself, being wanted, he may be more wondered at by breaking through the foul and ugly mists of vapours that did seem to strangle him. If all the year were playing holidays, to sport would be as tedious as to work, but when they seldom come, they wished for come. And nothing pleaseth but rare accidents. So when this loose behaviour I throw off, And pay the debt I never promised, By how much better than my word I am, By so much shall I falsify men's hopes. And like bright metal on a sullen ground, My reformation glittering o'er my fault, Shall show more goodly and attract more eyes Than that which hath no foil to set it off. I'll so offend, to make offence a skill, redeeming time when men think least I will. Welcome to Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. I'm your host, James Evans, and that was Prince Hal from the first act of Henry IV, part one, read by our guest this week. He's an actor and director and one of Australia's leading teaching artists. Since 2004, he's been a core part of the education team at Bell Shakespeare. And as the current resident artist in education, he's responsible for all of the company's learning content. He's the director of Bell Shakespeare's acclaimed juvenile justice program and has taught in schools and communities all over Australia and in China. As an actor for Bell, he's appeared in Macbeth, Romeo and Juliet, Othello, and The Players twice. He's now a director in The Players program and also co-directed a production of Macbeth for young audiences at the Sydney Opera House and Arts Centre Melbourne. It is my great pleasure to welcome Hugh McKinnon. Hugh, welcome to Speak the Speech. Thanks so much for having me, Jimmy. Like that intro? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, trying not to blush. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Because really, Hugh, you I mean, you are the Bell Shakespeare education program, if we can put it that way. I mean, you, you, as in the content that you have produced and created and then trained others to do forms the basis of everything we do in education, right? Yeah, look, the way I tell it is um, I'm the guy that hung around the longest and then... <laughs> And then uh, became important to, yeah, you're right, you're right. I, I, I got my head around and became pretty central to a lot of the education programs at Bell. And yeah, now I'm responsible for for creating content and quality control of content and, and, and training up other arts educators. Yeah, so I mean, you travel to um, different cities in Australia, you train the entire team of teaching artists to basically teach in your image. That's a lot of pressure though, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, the, the more I do it, the more I'm trying <laughs> not to create them in my image. Um, okay. uh, but, uh, yeah, a lot of pressure but also incredible learning opportunities and just trying to um, 
to 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 get them talking to each other and mm-hmm. and learning from each other. Okay, let's go to Prince Hal now. I love this speech, mm, and too. and I'm constantly saying to my kids, if all the year were playing holidays, <laughs> to sport would be as tedious as to work. Uh, and uh, and they say, oh, Dad, Shakespeare, here we go again. Uh, why do you love this speech so much? Um, it might not even be uh, just this speech. Uh, I love Hal's ability to. Hal Hal is water, you know, like his ability to adapt to any environment that he finds himself in. But also his just kind of brash, arrogant uh, confidence to at the start of the the, the first time we meet him, at Mm. at the start of this play, to come forward to the audience and say, yeah, this is my game. Mm -hmm. I I control this game. (laughs) Um, I know these guys around me. I know how to work them. But also you, audience, I know how to work you. Mm. Watch me. Watch me now through this play and the next play and the play after. Yes, yes. Just work everybody that I come across. Mm. And so this speech, we get, like, gives me goosebumps to think about this speech being the start of the journey and then St. Crispin's Day to be the end of the journey. And we just see him. It's like, wow, you really are a master of of men. Mm. Yeah. which and and at the same time he's this he's the the, the most mythical leader that the English have ever had. Yeah, do, do you yeah, know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. And and but then also it gives these incredible um, insights into this character that we we think of as as this this great mythical leader to then think oh he he was a master manipulator mm. the whole time. Yeah, and so yeah. then it gives you that classic Shakespeare ambiguity of hang on I thought I thought Hal and I thought Henry the Fifth was a hero, mm. but now I'm having to rethink that because has he just been playing us the whole time? So yeah. I, I just love yeah. the journey that Shakespeare takes us on with this character and this speech is kind of the start of it. So then so then what is he doing down the pub? Is is it all just kind of cynical <sighs> manipulation? Or or yeah. does this is this speech kind of trying to back justify his behavior? Yes. Uh, yeah, I know that's a great question, isn't it? Um I tend to think it's a little bit more of the second, like it's a mm. little bit more of kind of, like you say, back justifying his mm-hmm. behaviour, mm-hmm. um, or uh, also a, 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 t- a tinge of that that um, superiority. Yes, like, very much. Like yeah. I love this behaviour, but we all know I'm better than these guys. Yeah, yeah. You know I'm I mean? going to be and the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a real and, entitlement in there, isn't there? Totally. Yeah. And, and it just, yeah. there's so, like I say, then there's so, and then if you, if this speech stays with you for the next three plays, you can't help but have that bad taste in your mouth about the guy. <laughs> like, oh, you little brat. But then at the same time, he is totally playing you. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get to St. Crispin's in the audience, you're like, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on board, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But right. also the, from a really, nerdy Shakespeare perspective, mm. these characters that Shakespeare creates that can so easily transition from verse to prose. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I can't, that's another thing when I think about Shakespeare that honestly makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up still. Mm. When I think about how he, the, the, the way he used the techniques that he was so expert at to give us such an insight into character beyond what the word but beneath and underneath the words mm. um the way how and and you know I, you, you, I, I don't need to tell you this you know exactly what i'm talking about but the way how transitions from the prose that he uses in the pub and then mm. when he needs to turn on that verse when he talks to his dad mm. he's he's perfect at it yeah you, you, you know it's like um 
uh, Iago is a similar yeah, kind of character. Right. And, and in that, and, and even that then, to think about the character of Hal and the parallels Shakespeare draws between Hal and Iago yeah, because they're yeah. two of those characters that so expertly transition from verse to prose. Mm-hmm. And you think about those the, you know, the, the really kind of massively famous and enduring characters like Hamlet. Hamlet tries to do it, but he's not as good at it. What, you, going you know, into prose? Going, going right. between verse and prose. He's mm. more kind of, he's more like a blunt instrument. But characters like um, Hal and Iago, they do it so seamlessly. It's terrifying. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Well, they're highly manipulative, both yeah. of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not sure, though, if I'd call Hamlet a blunt <laughs> instrument because he, the it, way that he uses the language is so nuanced. Oh, sure. But the way that he, the, the way that Shakespeare has, the, the moments that, or the, the big moments that you see Hamlet transition between verse and prose, mm. the way that Shakespeare, I suppose, has Hamlet use them mm. is more, uh, I suppose I'd say more aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Like, like in the scene with Ophelia. You, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's what makes me, what brings to my mind the phrase blunt instrument because he really he really hits her very hard with that transition mm-hmm. from verse to prose, yeah, sure. which of course is intentional, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's just not as smooth as Prince Hal. <laughs> so Prince Hal at the end of this speech he basically says, in comparison to my behaviour, yeah. my new behaviour will look good. He's, yeah. he's not really saying, I, I, I will be a great king. He's saying, compared no. <laughs> to compared to what I was, people will go, this is amazing. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, and we've all cashed in on that particular thought <laughs> from, from, from time to time. Um, yeah, the, he's. I suppose you'd say he's setting the bar low. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. Yeah. He's under promising and over delivering. Yeah, yeah. 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 So for you, is this one of the speeches that connects with young people when you are when you're teaching across the country, no matter where you go? Is this a character and a speech that young people relate to? To my mind, when I think about, um, especially the young, uh, the young people that we work with in juvenile detention centres. Yeah. yeah. To my mind, this speech is one of the closest I can find to to, to something that 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 might reflect the situation that some of them find themselves in. Um, How do you mean? Uh, 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 a young man with a, a terrible relationship with his father, right? And and I don't know anything about the, the 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 young men that I see in juvenile justice. I don't know anything about their lives, but it's a reasonably safe assumption that a lot mm. of them have pretty bad relationships with their parents. Yep. But also what I've learned about some of them and what I've seen that, that in the time that, that we've spent there is this, somewhere there is that um, and somewhere there is that desire to, to prove people wrong. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think any of them that I meet, uh, they've done some terrible things, but I don't think any of them are as manipulative as Prince Hal. No, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't no. suggest that. But there is that sense, you know, some of the things that that you and I have both heard them say mm. about how how proud they are of themselves when their families get to see them do something mm-hmm. that nobody expected. Yeah, because the bar is incredibly low, and and these these young men are in a lot of ways kept down by that low bar. Sure, you yeah. know, Prince Hal is kind of saying, "I've set the bar low, but I've got what it takes to to mm-hmm. clear that and then some." Yeah. But a lot of these young men are, um, yeah, yeah, kind of. I don't want to use the word oppressed. 
but but yeah, kept yeah, down by yeah. the, by the low expectations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and 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 the other part of your question was: Is this a play and a speech that young people can relate to? I haven't yet figured out a way <laughs> to, to to help young people relate to this particular play. I've is that tried. Right? Yeah, okay. I, I tried to teach this play in a detention center a couple of years ago, and I wanted to get to that sense of this 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 young man that 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 was. Um, that was ready to defy expectations, mm, mm. and also that that the how he 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 was suffering and his father was suffering um, because of their their their, their miscommunication, yeah, their bad yeah. communication, not 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 being on the same uh, page. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I fully succeeded in in <laughs> taking the boys with me on that journey. But I'll keep trying. One thing that really did succeed with them was first of all doing Macbeth with them and then also doing Hamlet with them. Both of those were very successful. Tell us about that. Yeah, traditionally when we go into detention centres with young men, uh, we teach uh, Macbeth or we we use Macbeth Mm. as our source material. Um, And that always, of course, uh, that that goes well for the obvious reasons. You know, we chose that play because it's it's full of action, Mm. you know, it's full of Mm. uh, revenge and ambition and things that that everybody uh, can relate, that are easily relatable. But... Then also that there are moments in that play, really clear moments to be able to reflect on um, conscience and reflect Mm. on decisions that have been made. And And the consequence of decisions. Reflect on 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 yourself and others. others And and also reflect on that point where you feel like you've done so much bad stuff that there's just no way back. Uh And I can imagine Mm. that somebody that finds themselves in jail at Mm. the age of 17 Is confronted with that thought a lot. It's like, well, I've done it. Like, that, well, well, this is my life now. That's this it. Is what I'm, it's I'm, be. I'm in yeah. blood stepped in so far that yes. the return was tedious as gore. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, so Macbeth has always been, yeah, mostly very, very successful. Uh, and Hamlet also. We uh, one year after we'd done plenty of Macbeth, we became particularly ambitious yeah, <laughs> and yep, then decided yep. to try Hamlet. Um, and I was. But they really related to Hamlet as well. I mean, in a completely different way. But tell us about when you did To Be or Not To Be with with the boys. Tell us about that. Yeah, so they did relate to Hamlet. And it, in a lot of ways, it was my concerns and it was my fears that held us back from that for a little while. Right, but right. I, I got... Um, so we got about um, three or four lessons in. And, and usually in the early part of... We, we do 10 sessions. And in the early part, it's all about sharing the story mm-hmm. and, and getting mm-hmm. them to know the story and then mm-hmm. working with the play a little bit. And we'd done that. I'd done a move synopsis and we'd been through the story. And I was a few lessons in and I thought, what are we going to do here? And I suddenly, it suddenly occurred to me what we've all always known. Hamlet's not really a play. It's not an action. It's not, it's not <laughs> action packed. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I was a few lessons in and I thought, oh man, what am I going to do? Nothing happens in this play. Like that's the point of the play, right? Like there's a lot of inaction. Um, different, different. I usually found myself with Macbeth with lots of murder and blood and you know, revenge to talk about. And also I thought, I haven't really thought this through because the central question of this play is about whether or not this young man decides to continue living mm-hmm. or to kill himself. Mm. And I'm in a room full of people who I'm almost 100% sure have been in that situation on more than one occasion. Mm. So I thought, what am I going to do here? And I, I, I don't like to get... Um, I don't like to involve myself in amateur psychology, <laughs> but sure. I thought we've got sure. to address this question somehow. So I... I, I threw up the first few lines of the the of to be or not to be on the whiteboard, maybe just three or four lines, and and we went through it, and it's pretty obvious 
it doesn't take much to figure out what he's asking himself. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm in a room with 12 or so um, teenage, you know, uh, young offenders. And we came to the conclusion that he's asked, he's deciding whether or not to kill himself. And I said, okay, so we've all been in that situation. And I included everybody in the room that included guards the from guards the center and, 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 the program and youth workers. Yeah, yeah workers, program workers. Yeah. And I said, okay, we've all been in that situation. Uh, we've all made this decision at some point. So obviously we chose to be, right? If we'd chosen not to be, we wouldn't be in this room. So mm. we chose to be. Mm. So I said, I want you all to grab a, a piece of paper and a, a, a pencil. And at the top of the page, just write down to be. And then just write down why you chose to be. And it could be as simple as you like. Mm -hmm. and, and I, you know, my example was to be for my kids, which is a pretty yeah. easy one when you're a parent. Sure. It's a pretty obvious one sure. to choose. Yeah. There weren't a lot of other parents in that room, but a lot of those boys chose to be for my mum or to be for my family. Mm. Um, somebody said to be for the boys, you know, okay. and so whatever reason was, it didn't matter, whatever the reason, it was mm. incredibly powerful. And then there was one particularly, just a real standout young man in that group who when we, finally came to do the performance and we performed this in front of the whole center so everybody else that they were in detention with that they see every day yeah yeah uh he performed the speech for us and then behind him on the stage everybody else in the group kind of sat in a semicircle and after he performed the speech he went around to each of them and he just said to them to be or not to be and they said there to be so they said what they'd written down wow. on the page that day yeah. said to be for my mom or to That's be very whatever. powerful it was very That's powerful i really stumbled i really um uh, got lucky there. I stumbled into something that, that, that worked well. But I was, but I say that because all the way along the journey, I, I can't, you can't help but, you know, in this environment, you're, as a performer, I'm not often confronted in reality with the questions that the characters in these plays ask themselves. Of course, yeah, yeah. These young men in these places come much closer than I do. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, and so that's the, I guess that's where my my fear of, 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 like I say, amateur psychology comes from. Yeah, and, and even performing in those uh, centres, I remember once seeing the players do a version of Romeo and Juliet mm. in there, and when Capulet goes off at mm. Juliet, off at his daughter, there was a, a visceral reaction yeah. in the room. It's amazing, isn't and, it? And they and they commented on it afterwards. You know, how could the father speak to his his yeah. daughter like that? They they really felt it. it was, yes, yeah. it was real. Yeah, was in in a way that thankfully it's distanced from a lot of That's our audiences. Right. Yeah. It's incredibly close to those boys. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Hugh, you grew up in Newcastle. Mm. What was the Shakespeare experience <laughs> in the eighties? <80s? laughs> And 90s in Newcastle. Yeah. I've never thought about the question phrased quite that way. <laughs> uh, niche? Can I yes, say niche? Yeah, sure. Um, sure. My experience, I was a very typical high school English student. Yeah. I was um, not, not the one. There were several. I was one of several voices in the class complaining about Shakespeare, oh, right. asking yeah. that yeah. question that I now realise teachers must just loathe that, oh, why do we have to why do this? Why do we this? have to do this? That yeah. was yeah. me. Mm. Um, I remember I, 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 we did The Tempest in Year 7. Oh, wow. I was, okay. I, which I, I now realise was- um, That's advanced. That's so ambitious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I have um, had little or- or no regard for the struggles of that middle-aged magician on that faraway <laughs> island when I was 
13 years old. Yep. <laughs> uh, maybe now slightly more so, especially now that I have daughters of my own, but um, <laughs> not at the time. Um, yeah, I had a bad attitude about it at school until I got the opportunity to do it in drama mm. and it was just time. Yeah. It was yeah. just being allowed to spend time with it and and, take and you got to speak it out loud. And yeah. to speak it out loud, mm. to spend time with it and to have conversations about it, to just unlock some of those mysteries. Mm. Because as soon as you, you take that time and engage the rest of your body, yep. engage physically, it just, it just becomes not even clearer, just less stressful, just mm -hmm. easier. Yeah. Engage with it as an actor, engage with it. You know, put 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 all those actorly things first, all those objectives and obstacles and mm -hmm. and targets. Put all that first, mm. and it just take takes the stress off you. So that so that was my first um, my first memory of real of, of it really clicking for me was in drama in year eleven and twelve, and we participated in what was then the state drama festival. Yeah, right. And yeah. I remember in nineteen ninety four, if you won the New South Wales State Drama Festival. You got to go to the Globe Theatre. What in London? In London, okay, sure. <laughs> Two people from New South Wales mm -hmm. um, got to visit the Globe. Right, Can you believe that? Okay, it wasn't me, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I like to tell myself I came close, but yeah, that was my first. <laughs> that that was when I first got 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 a bit of the bug. You're listening to Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. My guest today, Hugh McKinnon. Hugh, now I'm going to drop that question on you that you have asked and every teacher dreads then. Why? What, what's your elevator pitch? What's your elevator pitch for Shakespeare? Why Why do we do this? We all have an elevator pitch. What's yours? My very quick elevator pitch is that Shakespeare was in the middle of a revolution. Uh, everything that we study in any subject ever, anything that we care about or go back to, is because something changed. Mm. There was some kind of revolution. And mm. Shakespeare was in the midst of a revolution Absolutely a revolution in theatre. So, yes. you know, they call it a golden age in theatre. It was a golden age of theatre. Um, it was a re so revolution in theatre. It was a revolution in storytelling. Yeah. It was a revolution of character. Mm. A lot of people disagree with me. Uh, John Bell, I think, famously, for one. Um, but I submit to uh, uh, Harold Bloom's um, theory that Shakespeare played a large part in inventing how human beings relate to each other. Right, right. I, I, mm. I, 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 I quite like that theory, uh, but yeah, the, 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 the revolution and 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 um, all the things that we talk about traditionally, the the words or the universal themes or the this and that. I don't think they're really the the reason that we go back to this period four hundred okay. years ago. Mm -hmm. But and, and I think in another four hundred years, this will still be the period that we're going back to right. because Shakespeare was in the midst of that time that just changed everything that we think storytelling is. Everything that, that is in storytelling that we take for granted, that we think has always been there, yeah, it yeah. hasn't always been yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And Shakespeare played a massive part in, in, in creating that. And even some of the Hollywood tropes, like creating a, a sequel when, when a play is popular or creating a spin-off when, <laughs> totally. when a play is popular. And the sequel always being worse. Yeah, the sequel always being worse, <laughs> yeah. spin-off being much worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, had the, they had the star system, you know, people yes. came to see the great stars Absolutely. on stage. Absolutely, yep, yep. So a lot of the tropes that we you know, take take for granted today, he's, yeah. he, he started. Yeah, they figured out how to uh, make money out of that uh, popular yeah. storytelling for entertainment and the things that they did then are still making money now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was a commercial yeah. enterprise. Absolutely, was, yeah, yeah. And it was for everyone, for everyone. Yeah, right? yeah. And people don't realise. We think because, because it's that period of time or that guy that we often go back to study 
people don't realize that it wasn't always like that. Mm. Stud- especially young people, students think, why is it Shakespeare? Surely they were all doing that. And they weren't all doing that. Right. It, it hadn't always been like that. So when you go into a school and you're faced with a group of year nine boys, now, now <laughs> in, in some ways, going into juvie, and you and I have, have worked in those um, juvenile detention centres together, and you've worked obviously a lot more extensively than me, in some ways, that's a more controlled environment. Those those guys know that they have to behave in a certain way. There's very strict codes and rules of behaviour. But when you go into a year nine classroom, especially in a school where kids might feel a little entitled, uh, you know, a little yeah. bit disdainful of this yeah. Shakespeare guy who's come in to, to teach yeah. them, yeah. what do you do first to grab these these young people? You know what the funny thing is, Jimmy, and I, I think maybe you'll be able to relate to this, it's difficult to describe. (laughs) It's difficult to even know how that room, how you're going to create what you need in that room before you get in there. Right. Um, What do I do? So you just feel the atmosphere in the room, do you, when you (laughs) walk in? I (laughs) I think it's as much about tone and attitude mm. as it is about any particular thing that you do. Right, right. And you know that. You've been in that situation lots of times. And it's it's not even like that with school students. It's like that with every it's like that with an audience, right? Yeah, sure. If sure. you stand on stage, you can you it's because it's, it's 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 so much like that. It's so much like being on stage mm. and having to work your audience in a very particular way. Mm-hmm. I try my best, although I really like to be the expert, mm-hmm. I try my best <laughs> not to sound like the expert. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. I think that's a massive part of it. And and actually some of our other teaching artists have helped me learn that uh-huh. really uh-huh. well. Um, so what, you're more, more saying let's let's discover these things together? Yeah, yeah. look, that, that's it. Because oftentimes their teachers mm. that are teaching them every day have so many other things to teach them yes. and so many other things to get their heads around. Mm-hmm. They have haven't had the the time. They haven't had the time that I've had to sit with Shakespeare and to sit with this idea of teaching Shakespeare, mm. and so I'm just trying to take a different approach to the one that I think they've probably been shown so yeah, far, yeah. which is that this thing is somehow mystically important. Right, there right. is this kind of magic or this preciousness to it, mm. and so I suppose universally, my my first approach is to is for me to not treat it as if it is precious. Sure, yeah. now. In my soul, I think it's solid gold, and I just want to worship it for the rest of my days. But, but, but confronted with a group of cynical fifteen-year-olds, yeah. that's not what they need from me. No. And the other thing that I try to remember is that the thing that's important about Shakespeare to me is very unlikely that's the same thing that's important about okay. Shakespeare yeah. to them. Yeah. So that's yeah. my first step. Um, it's not. It's not precious. Mm. Uh, also, he's dead. He's not going to care what you do with it. Yeah, uh, you can mm-hmm. bend it and break it and make it your own. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you have to. You have an obligation to, mm-hmm. because actually, when you're 15 years old, the far more confronting thing, far more confronting than Shakespeare, is having to have an opinion mm. or a perspective. You're incredibly scared of putting your opinion or perspective out there in case somebody mocks you for it, yeah. or in case it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in school, we don't have much time to get mm-hmm. the wrong answer. We're 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 in a hurry to get to the right answer because yeah, we've got right. an exam, exam to do. Mm. Um, so it's difficult to to say to students, what is actually going to get you the marks here is to go through this process mm-hmm. of getting it wrong and having an opinion sure. and, and creating a perspective. Yeah. So yeah, m- absolutely. My first step is just bend it, break it, disrespect it. So what does success look like for you? What's what's an example of a workshop that has gone incredibly well and you come out of it buzzing and going, 
wow, that you know, I, I really saw an impact. I think that my most um, satisfying moments are when they argue with me, mm-hmm. uh, or, the, or at, at, at the very least, argue with each other. Mm-hmm. Especially if they've been at the start of the the two hours that I spend with them. If they've been just supremely disengaged, even from conversation, yeah. even from saying anything yeah, out yeah, loud, yeah. if by the end of it they're arguing with me and telling me, no, this version works because this, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I will often steer the workshop in that direction to right. try and get an argument. Okay, get a reaction. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. to, to get a reaction. So mm-hmm. so often what I will, what the thing that I will say that I think is the best or that I will say I believe in is not the thing I believe in at all, but mm-hmm. I want to set something up for them to, to, to argue against. Yeah. And that's the key, right? Because then if they're, if they're arguing with the expert in the room about it, mm. then you then then obviously they have some sense of confidence, well, they're, and they're in, taking ownership. Of it. Exactly, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So of course I love to get them. Uh, there's nothing better than than getting a group up and and working together and creating some incredible physical picture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? But that's no good if they're just doing that because you tell because them you to told do them that. to. Yeah. It's much yeah. better if they can argue with you and, and own them. it a little bit. Yeah. 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 Have there been any, any workshops you've done? <laughs> I say laughing. <laughs> where you've got, where you've come out at the end and gone. <laughs> well, that was a disaster. <laughs> 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 what, what 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 am I doing with my life? <laughs> Jimmy. Yes. <laughs> come you on. Can't ask me that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, he's only asking me that because he's been there and, <laughs> and seen this. That's right. I want to hear it from you. He knows. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? A constant question. Oh, a constant question. Look, very often, very often a workshop doesn't hit the mark for whatever reason. Very often um, I, I haven't managed. You know, I make it sound like I'm some sort of expert at reading the room and delivering exactly what is required. Very often I, I miss the mark, you know, and I haven't read that room exactly right. And for whatever reason, something that I've done has created a bit more resistance to what I have to offer. Mm. Um, and so, uh, and and sometimes like any like any occupation, sometimes you have a you have, you have a bad day and yeah. you just haven't you just haven't hit the nail on the head like you would hope to. I can't thank thankfully right now. Maybe it's because I'm put on the spot. Thankfully, right now I can't think of any specific Good. examples. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm glad to hear. But, but that absolutely, that absolutely happens, of course. And and you come out, and and it's not only feeling um, frustrated, but I hate that feeling that I've, like you kind of feel like you've let them down. But I also I hate feeling like I've let a teacher down. Yeah, right. Like yeah. that's the yeah. worst feeling. Like ah, oh, that teacher really needed me to really nail that today, and I just don't know if I've got there. Although teachers are always incredibly. Um, Lovely and grateful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't like feeling like I haven't delivered what I what I could have. Well, speaking about teachers, you've had a lot to do with educating teachers as well. And and one of the big programs we have at Bell Shakespeare is the Regional Teacher Mentorship, yeah. where we have thirty teachers from regional centres coming to Sydney. They spend a couple of days learning about Shakespeare and teaching Shakespeare from you, and then they go back to their community and you continue to mentor them yeah. through the year, which yeah. is an extraordinary program. And what I love about the way you teach that program is you, you teach from the front with great enthusiasm yeah, yeah, and they yeah. suddenly become the students and you are, you're modelling for those teachers the kind of level of energy and enthusiasm yeah. it actually takes yeah. to teach this stuff effectively. Yeah, certainly for me, enthusiasm is a big part of it. Now, this is another area where I have incredible sympathy for teachers mm. because, and I often say this to teachers, I'm like, look, I'm well aware that when I go to your school... I go for two hours 
and I use all my best stuff yeah. and then I get to and leave. Then, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't have to stick around for marking or reports or parent-teacher interviews mm. or disciplinary, mm-hmm. any, you know, I, I'm, I'm well aware. So it is easy for me to, and I believe it's my duty to inject that, that enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, teaching teachers it is one of my favorite things to do, the mm-hmm. RTM, um, mm-hmm. for that reason, because to, to reinvigorate them with a little bit yeah. of that enthusiasm, yeah. not yeah. just coming from me, but coming from each other. As recently as, as, as a month ago, mm. spoke to a young teacher who was maybe, maybe this was his second year out of university. Yeah. And he yeah. was the only English teacher at his school. Yeah, right. So yeah. he's heading the department. Yep. He's teaching every year level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't often get to draw on that energy from his yeah. staff room mm. or people around him that are interested in the same things here he's interested in. He comes to Sydney, he gets to be surrounded by 15 Shakespeare nerds yeah. and me and Joe and Felix and Jess Chambers and all mm-hmm. these people contributing. Mm. And, and so, yeah, that's what I want to give these teachers more than anything the confidence to be enthusiastic about it. Mm. Because as a teacher in a, in a school, I've learned that you can very often be subjected to the same kinds of... Being squashed. <laughs> the, the confidence, yep. there's a squashing of confidence mm. that young people are subjected to. Mm-hmm. Teachers often say, uh, I often say to teachers, you should do this, you should show your students this, model this for your students, and they will say to me, oh, I'll look silly, mm-hmm. which breaks mm-hmm. my heart because mm-hmm. then they look at you for five seconds and they go, oh, that's the point, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you mm-hmm. want me to look silly so that they feel okay about yeah, looking silly. Yeah. And, yeah, I do, but I also understand it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is, it's definitely my job to um, to bring a bit of that enthusiasm. And when, you go ba- and when they go back to their communities and you stay in touch with them, do you feel like there's a transformation, not just in the school, but in their whole communities when they go oh, back? Oh, very often. Some of, them, some of them just thrive on it and become leaders in their communities, yeah. leaders in their regions. Mm-hmm. They, take, they take with them not, not only other teachers at their schools, but other teachers from all over the place. Mm. Um, and they take your techniques, I believe, into other subject areas as well. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah they do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and even in the room when we do the RTM and we spend four days with these teachers um, and we're doing these exercises... Uh, and they'll literally uh, be saying to you at the time, oh, I could do this in geography. Yeah, right. <laughs> or, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I could do this in history. And they yeah. have conversations about how they can adapt these exercises, mm-hmm. which is awesome because, again, it's that spirit of saying, just take this and and take from it what you need. Mm-hmm. Use it mm-hmm. for what you what you need it for just to make your life easier. You know, Hugh, like, like a lot of actors who went through drama school, you know, a decade or two ago, we have to find our own way in this world, right, mm. as actors. Mm. Acting is never going to be a full-time job except for a very, very few people. And so in many ways we, we I don't want to say fall into teaching, but, <laughs> yeah. but it, is a, it is an opportunity that presents itself when there are fewer acting roles mm. available. Mm. Mm. Is that the journey you feel like you've had as a freelance artist? Yeah, look, the thing about being on my role for Bell Shakespeare or, or teaching Shakespeare at Bell is, yeah, teaching wasn't my uh, wasn't where I thought I was headed, where yeah. I thought I was going. But mm. it gives me a great opportunity, like you say, well, I'm not necessarily on stage all the time, if, if, even if that is where I would want to be, mm. even if that's not happening. It gives me a great opportunity to just... Like I just get to swim in the thing that I love talking yeah, about yeah, all yeah. the time. I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it gives me, and I'm surrounded by people who 
mm-hmm. who want to talk about that. Yeah. Like, that's such an incredible privilege. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I get to turn around to you every day and ask you weird questions about yeah. obscure parts <laughs> of plays. How many... How many other people in the country that I could that, yeah. that I could do you, do you know what I mean that yeah. I could have that conversation with and I get to yeah. sit next to them at work. Mm. Um, yeah, my um, uh, I what was I? Well, I was, I was you, you 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 put me in mind of my first teaching um, mm-hmm. job for for Bell. Yeah, uh, and it must have been in about. 2004, 2004. No, five, we'll see. That like was that. actors at work, but then after we did did R and J, and after it was after Macbeth, right? Must have been about 2008, 2009. Okay. Yeah. And Linda Lorenza mm. called me up and said, "Do you want to teach some workshops?" Now, Bell uh, has always been really good at trying to look after actors that yeah. have worked with the company mm-hmm. and keep mm-hmm. them close That's and keep right. them in and work through that. teaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember Linda called me up and said, "Do you want to teach a workshop?" And I said, "Yeah, I guess so." And she said, okay, it's King Lear. <laughs> and my first paid position for, for Bell Shakespeare Education was watching you do a, a, a year 10 King Lear oh, workshop. Man. And I remember sitting in the That's corner brutal. and writing every word you oh, said because no. I had to go oh, back the not. next day oh, no. and teach that workshop. No, you would have done it much better. Oh, my God, year 10 <laughs> I King Lear. I just read I just copied you word <laughs> okay. for word. Well, you've obviously then uh, improved out of sight since then, so uh, I'm glad you're still around, Hugh. But you have been on tour with the company before. You most recently were in the national tour of Othello. You were in the national tour of the Scottish play um, when Sean O'Shea and Linda Cropper were yeah. Macbeth and Lady yeah. Anne and John yeah. Bell directed that production. And then you and I, our first main stage experience of Shakespeare <laughs> was John Bell's Romeo and Juliet uh-huh. 2006. Uh-huh. Okay, I want to hear from <laughs> I want to hear from you how that show opened. Oh, you're the worst. Come on. Oh, just a few lines, please. I get um, you know, Jimmy. Yeah. I get very sweary. Yes. And when I was coming in today, <laughs> I said to myself, "You're not going to swear." And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to be on my absolute best behavior. Yes. But you asking me that question that's yeah. the closest I've come in the last 40 minutes. <laughs> Cursing explicitly. Okay. Do you know okay. what? Okay, I'll do it with you. How about that? We're yeah. not doing it. Huh? I'll do it with you. Are you kidding? Okay, of course okay. we're doing it. James thinks yeah. it's funny because he didn't have to do it on stage I didn't 150 do it on stage. times all you, over you, the nation. You did it on stage, but let's just hear the first couple of lines. Um, you ready here? <laughs> okay, we can cut this out if you if we're not happy. No, this is this is gold. This yeah. is this is good stuff. But I, I this is um, I was taken by surprise. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. We're going from the top. Ready? I need the beat. Face the mic. Okay. A two, two households, both the like in dignity and fair Verona, where we lay our scene from ancient grudge, break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. Okay, that's enough. Thank you. Now, we decided to turn the opening uh, chorus into a rap. It didn't go down very well with the with the audience, but uh, but but the production itself had had quite. It was it was really popular. I remember in, in two thousand six, we got huge audiences through. It was full of action. It was exciting. It was short and sharp and yeah. and amazing. What do you remember about the action and the fights in in that production? Oh, I loved. I think that was where I where I first really got the opportunity to um, did uh, understand and explore and. Um, 
experience proper stage combat training mm. for the first time. And it was time. Nigel Poulton, Yeah, it was it? Nigel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was awesome fun. You know, you think about the guys that were in that show – um, you, Matt Moore, Matt Edgerton, mm-hmm. um, Johnny Bachelor, Batch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had a great time in those fights. There was a lot of energy in that production, yeah, uh, both yeah. on and off stage. Wow. <laughs> and and we'll leave that there. But before we uh, before we wrap up today, Hugh, we've got a segment called the Final Five, and and we just need five quick answers to five quick questions. Okay, here we go. Number one, as an actor, are you the Villain, the lover, or the fool? I think I'm the villain. I really admire the fools, but I don't think I... You need to be super vulnerable to be a fool. Yeah, yeah. The best actors are the fools. I think I'm a villain. Okay. What's your most underrated Shakespeare play? Look, i got to say Taming of the Shrew, not because I think it's underrated, but because I think um, we ignore it at our peril. Interesting. Who's your favourite actor you'd love to work with who you haven't worked with already? This is a very broad frame of reference here. Yeah, go on. Anyone. They're popping up all the time. I'm going to restrict myself to people that have appeared on the Bell Shakespeare stage. Yeah, okay. Um, what I wouldn't give to act opposite Joel Edgerton. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. But then also, and I'm giving you the quickest answers I can here, okay. Jimmy. Um, but then, like, you can't go past Kate Mulvaney, right? Like, yep. it's just... Um, so clever, but got the heart to get that cleverness across to the audience mm. in a mm. yeah in an incredible way. Uh, and also, there's some particular individuals even in this year's players that I can't wait to oh, work on. Stage that's with. nice, yeah. great. What's your dream Shakespeare role, and what's on your bucket list? Uh, yeah, this is a tough one as well. Um, I think I would really like to play Iago in an extended, in a long season of mm. of Othello. Mm really be able to just sink my teeth into a role like that and yeah. try it a number of just explore it and, and mess with it and try it a number of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, if you weren't in the performing arts or teaching, <laughs> what would you be doing? Uh, um, that's a great question. I don't know. This job really saved me, you mm. know, from from, you know, a, a very diverse range of of strange roles. Mm. I like to think um um Honestly, I honestly, I honestly couldn't say. I don't know, Jimmy. I'm sorry. You know, it's it's really interesting, Hugh, and and I I don't want to highlight this now because you have done so many different jobs, different roles in your time as a freelance artist, and and I just want to highlight this because it's something that all freelance artists go through. They they they've got their job during the day, their casual job, and that keeps changing and shifting, and they're Mm. trying to audition or pitch for work or 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 design things, and and it's it's a really tough life. What what are some of the freelance (laughs) jobs you've done let's 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 go through them some of the more amusing i had quite a long career in self-storage yeah i'm a real expert in self-storage my friends looking for storage now that's what i uh, Mm -hmm. i can give great advice i worked in a funeral home for a little while i was a funeral um assistant okay um i used to drive around uh king's cross in a refrigerated van delivering bags of ice to all the little strip clubs and wine bars in King's Cross some ba- years bags ago. Bags of ice meaning? Literally frozen, frozen water. Frozen water, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yes. It takes, takes on a new meaning these days. Okay. But literally frozen water. Uh-huh. Um, I was one of the last uh, human toll collectors on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Amazing. That was, that was, uh, that was some years ago. Mm-hmm. I realised when I was thinking about this last night, I used to work, I worked for a while, I worked the graveyard shift mm-hmm. in one of the first 24-hour gyms in Sydney. Okay. Which was yeah. the ultimate gym in Newtown. It's where Fitness First is now. I used yeah. to work there Friday and Saturday nights uh-huh. overnight. Um, yeah. I, triple I, zero operator. Oh, yeah. I used to answer the phone for triple zero, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Deliver Christmas trees. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's That true. was your own business. I used to do that. 
Um, yeah, all all manner of things. I have great sympathy for uh, that's still my life today. You mm. know, still still picking up work here and there. Yeah. Um, Sydney's an expensive place to live. Oh, look, and my respect to every freelance artist out there, Absolutely. especially who's done it so tough uh, during 2020 and 2021. Hugh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thanks so much for joining me on Speak the Speech. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jimmy. Bell Shakespeare is Australia's national Shakespeare company. We perform in theatres and schools in every state and territory. If you'd like to support our work or to learn more about what we do, please visit bellshakespeare.com.au. Speak the Speech is produced by Bell Shakespeare and edited by Camillo Zanoni. Be sure to follow at Bell Shakespeare on social media and don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the Speak the Speech podcast through your listening platform.